Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast. Where's the comic book problem? Shake the shit out of it. Welcome to episode 182, depending on which order we decide to release season. We recorded them I out of order. I you are going to stop numbering yeah. them. Yeah, you said you are going to stop numbering them. Just and then, start of course, over, I finally remembered to look it up and record it. Okay. Hey, and welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Is that better, Lena? Yeah. Okay, cool. No. Uh, <laughs> that I'm leaving <laughs> in. Uh, this week, we are doing Red Power, uh, another book in our month of Indigenous Peoples Month. Uh, we have... All but one in the same time zone right now. I am the lone wolf, not in the same time zone. Welcome, our newest member of the Mountain Time Zone. We have Lena. Hi, Lena. Hi, everybody. I'm Lena. I am now officially back in Denver. Yay! Yes. Coke it up. So um, I am still an event manager uh, with an office based out of the New York area. But um, now based out of Denver, Colorado. So, woo woo. Yep. And joining Lena, in case he decides to say something later, we have Ian with us too. Hi. Hey. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm prepared for an introduction. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's how we do it on here. I know. You sat there, you wanted to listen in, you wanted to see how the magic is created. Yes. If well, you call I'm it that. I'm only just now reading the comic, so I'm going to be a little behind. Yeah, you know, join it's us if short. you want. I mainly introduce you just in case you make a smart-ass comment on the side. Cause, that you is know. highly likely. Yeah. <laughs> That's can, why can we say that we've we've popped your uh, podcast cherry? You can. Ooh. Oh, my God. Good. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what? It's a very consensual <laughs> group and loving group we have with you. So, I mean, it, it, it's, a, <laughs> it, it's, it's a good place to start. This is a safe space. Uh, speaking of a safe space in his den of iniquity, we have Mr. Todd. Den of iniquity? I've just decided that's the name of your comic book room. I think it's a brilliant name. <sighs> that worked. <laughs> Don't sound so I disappointed. Mean, it's brilliant. Well, it's a good <laughs> Star Wars reference. I, I float. I don't know. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm an old man and going, these are really silly games we play. Yeah. Hey, I'm Todd. I'm here in Salt Lake. And um, you'll find me on this podcast because that's the only one we're doing right now, Brian. Uh, yeah, we need to talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you'll find me on here and in and around other places. If you see me, say hi. Okay. You shouldn't say, see him, though. Or at least don't come up to him within six feet at this point in time. Yeah. Well, I mean... Well, one way to help enforce the six feet roll is you just stop bathing. Oh, that works. I just use my personality yeah. to keep people six feet or more away. Yeah. See, but with the mask, you can't see my face, just the eyes. So I just kind of like, you know, do the chicken dance everywhere I go and it just keeps people away. Throwing elbows and whatnot. I'm just right. sort of calling Todd Shia LaBeouf because when oh. he was in that take movie, he didn't shower like the whole filming of that movie. He seems to be such a lovely individual and such a kind and considerate coworker. You know, though, if I was to, like, pick a guy to be on my side in a fist fight, oh, yeah. it'd be Shia all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and I watched, like, the Hot Ones episode with him. Like, I think he'd be a fun drinking buddy, maybe. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, or, like, when he's in a good headspace, I think he'd be a great guy to hang out with. Do I want to work with the fucker? No, not at all. No, you know what he'd be perfect for? You'd go to your buddy and he's like, I need to bury a body and you can never ask me why. Yeah. He's a good guy for that. He's yeah. that guy. Yeah. So, awesome. 
Like Ian is to Lena. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to throw you in there. I have no idea. I'm getting I'm getting a great found joy of watching the deer and headlights look on Ian's face. It's just evil of me, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Speaking of evil and enjoying the hell out of it, we have Mr. Adam. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is Adam uh, up here in Salt Lake City. Uh, hopefully one day doing more movie reviews. We actually are trying to get a meeting of the UFCA, like a Zoom meeting to find out how we're going to handle award season because nothing's in theaters and we don't know how that's happening. But I did see Mulan, so I'm going to try to review that in the next day or two and get that put up there. Uh, but I hear yeah. she didn't cut her hair. No. What? That was like no, they, the best. So I'm not going to dive into it, but they... Haircut, really? They did some cool stuff with this one that I really liked as far as the reveal of her being a woman, not a man. They, they There were some cool moments, so... Uh, you'll just have to wait for me to put it out. Well, by the time this is out, you'll Mulan will probably be free for everyone. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just living up here, learning the new job, all that kind of fun stuff. I actually have access to things now. That's kind of helpful to Ooh. to do your job. Like my boss yeah. is all excited. He's like, "You're not useless anymore." I'm like, well, "I can't promise I won't be useless." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, just up here playing lots of video and board games, and obviously reading a lot of comics. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm Brian. I'm the one uh, Pacific time zone person here, uh, and that's about it. Uh, so, Is your state still on fire? As of the recording of this, yes. Um, All right. But, but the, and the question is, was it a boy or a girl? No one really knows. Did you just assume their gender? No, it was a gender release party for no, the, uh, the start of the fire. I don't, but I didn't oh. find out what the answer was. I, I really did enjoy the, you know, the, the meme of the dog in the fire where it's like, this is fine. Yeah. It's the same thing, but it's like, this is a boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we are uh, this week doing Red Power. Once again, like we said, it's from our Indigenous Peoples Month. It is by Brian Wright McLeod. Uh, and uh, he is a writer and illustrator. Um, and oh, apparently he's like a consultant for film and television music and things like that. Um, he's written a lot of books on that and things like that. Um, and he lives in Toronto. Interesting. Anyway. You know, Toronto has indigenous people too, Brian. No, it, the thing that made me think that was interesting was the fact that like, there was all this stuff that was Arizona related, including the book. And then like his, uh, like this comic and then his book is published. Like he did an encyclopedia of native music that was published by the university of Arizona. So I sort of assumed he lived in the Arizona area. That was the only ish there. So this is basically a book about a uh, group of young men who travel to try to help, um, a community in a protest um, or a, a building conflict with the U.S. government who was trying to uh, kick them off of their land and take it for uh, for various reasons with obviously very corrupt senators involved. Um, it is technically a work of fantasy, but it is based off of a real event that happened in Arizona, uh, which is what I learned from the follow-up on this. But like we do every week, we do have a, an alcoholic beverage to go along with this drink. Mr. Adam, what do we got this week? Uh, yeah, so this one is called the Star uh, the Star Stone. Uh, you're going to take an ice-filled shaker of some sort. You're not going to shake it, though. You add one and a half uh, ounces of Calvados, one and a half ounces of a sweet vermouth, one dash of bitters. You're going to put all that in there, stir it really well, strain into a chilled martini glass, and garnish with an olive on a stick. Okay. Sorry for the uh, layman idiot here. What was that first ingredient again? Uh, it's Calvados. It's like a. Uh, it, it's an apple liqueur that has. It tastes a little bit like pear, apparently. Okay. Thank you. I never. I never heard of it either. Apparently, it's a. It, 
It's an apple liqueur that tastes like a pear. It's it's it's, it's European, so it's all fucked up. So oh, it's French. It's fancy. It's French. <laughs> it's fancy. Je parle Super anglais. We. Oui. I'm on like day 133 of my Duolingo French, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so that's what you get right there. Uh, Is that the one that yells at you if you don't do your lessons? It does yell like at me if owl? I don't do my lessons. Yeah, it's an owl. And <laughs> and you can buy fancy outfits for it, like a superhero outfit or like a top hat outfit if you earn enough points. Don't shake your head at me, Lena. You when you want to order a cold beverage in Paris up. next summer... Is, yes. I'm going to be the only one that does not speak French. I know. So and when you want a beverage and you come asking me to order something for you in French because I learned how to do it. Tori's no. learning it too, so it's fine. Fine. So, but this is what happens. When Amy and I, my wife and I were in Paris, she tried to learn French, bless her heart. She went to the crepe maker asking and ordered something. He's like, I speak English. She tried again in French. He's like, you know, I speak English. And she tried one more time. He's like, will you please stop? <laughs> you know, it's they really good. already hate us I'm, I'm good like I'll speak in English most of, really- when we're in Paris most of them speak English anyway uh, do we have uh, drinking game rules for this that cop's an asshole when you realize that he puts on his hat and glasses walks outside and kicks the dog oh yeah you need, yeah he goes outside and he kicks the dog when yeah. he kicks the dog, you've got a bottoms up, whatever's in your hand. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mr. Adam? Uh, mine is called, what's your name again? Every time they introduce someone for like a second or third time. Mine is Budweiser, I think. Every time they say, what's up? Take a drink. That was almost mine, actually. I yeah. almost did that one. <laughs> I just pulled that one off the top of my head, so it's at least prevalent enough that that one came out. Landon, did you have time to come up with one, or you want me to skip you? Yeah, I'm just going to say Starry Night. Um, uh, yeah. Anytime you see a reference to a star, any kind of star, yes. drink. I almost did that one, too. It's like, yeah. well, look, we're all, we all have the same mind. Yeah. So, uh, Todd, yeah. Uh, <laughs> jumping in on your uh, drinking game rule. So, let's start with the asshole cop. Uh, yeah, the white people in this are almost stereotypical villains, like almost to the point where it's almost like the British were in '80s films. Like exactly. they're fucking awful. They deserve it. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be treated yeah. like assholes. <laughs> Sorry, right. I should clarify that they are very cliche, very well deserving. I was just saying, like right. some of their actions remind me of like in '80s shows where like the Brits are always like the villain because. Americans were afraid of posh British people or whatnot. But it is, I will admit, this was actually very timely to read this. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, this obviously this is, we're releasing this a little after us recording it, but I, reading it, I'm just going, well, this feels very pertinent to what's happening oh, right now. <laughs> yeah. And the cops and the senators and everything, it just feels like it is a very it is very st- stereotypical mm-hmm. yet it's not wrong like yeah. it doesn't feel like they've gone overboard or that the, you know the 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 cop kicking the dog or any the you know welcome senator you're yeah. you know whatever it's mm-hmm. so evil that it just it even now fits that it just hasn't changed i mean yeah. even they're talking about something that happened bef- years ago, but it's it may not be with just indigenous people, but if you're not white, this is how they are. And it's just really upsetting. Interesting to watch with this and going through. It's absolutely cliche. It's there. And a lot of um, 
people on reservations were put there because we're like the white guys going we don't have any good things to do with this land so we're going to shove them over here until we figure out oh there was stuff underneath we want that so let's figure out how to do an end game around that and i mean even recently came to light the supreme court ruled about half of oklahoma still belongs on an indian reservation it was never dissolved so like the whole city of tulsa and that whole bit is actually under indian rule so it's an interesting thing to watch but we um have a strong history of kicking them on land that we don't want because we don't see any good use for it until we figure out there is one mm-hmm. and then we just try to do that again yeah and this is a story that's oft repeated and unfortunately true so this one might be fictionalized but it's too close to the real thing mm. so yeah yeah i think the the main reason i pointed it out was that like the kicking the dog was almost yeah. cliche. It was like it's like you've already shown that these people are total assholes. You know what I mean? That's like right. I, I felt like it wasn't necessarily something that helped define the character trait as them being an asshole even more. Probably like I, you kicked the dog too. You're just yeah. rubbing it in. Yeah, kind of. That's that's a little bit what I got to it. But also commenting on Lena's point, I've been listening to a uh, documentary on the uh, Dead Kennedys recently, and they're talking about the corruption that was in uh, San Francisco in like the late seventies, early eighties. And even that feels very timely now of like how corrupt the government was, how corrupt the cops were, um, and some really fucked up shit. Uh, if you ever find out what the real story is behind police truck, holy shit. Uh, not just a song that was on Tony Hawk pro skater, like fucked up story. Um, anyway, uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on, on some of this? Well, one thing I was going to go back to that Lena said about how, even though this almost feels like it's almost satired, but at the same time, we're seeing this, you know, repeated day in and day out where we are. The first thing that popped in my mind was every because I'm a news junkie. I like you know Google News and reading about current events and all that fun stuff. Like every single day, I see an article that I, I think, oh, this has to be the Onion. <laughs> oh no, it's like the New York Times or it's the Washington or even Fox News. You know, it's like, oh, this didn't really. Oh shit, it did. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. we we've gone into a world where it's almost like everything is farce. Like there's, there's almost no reality because reality is so insane. Like you, you think it's some fucked up fictional thing that, you know, some dude tripped out of his mind on acid with, Mm -hmm. you know, a typewriter just sort of banging out and you're like, Oh shit, this is actually happening. So while, yeah, it was stereotypical and, you know, kicking the dog while it's down kind of thing is like, really, we're going to go that far, you know, for, for people who in the story who are living in this land. And like you said, you know, we, it was land we gave them because like, Oh, there's nothing good here. Oh, now there is something good here. We want it. Like we're going to take your mineral rights or put a pipeline through it or whatever we're going to do. You know, it's like you almost have to show the bad guys as being that evil because they are. I mean, if you, if you go back to it, like we raped and pillaged this country, that's how we got it. Mm-hmm. Manifest destiny means we're going to fuck up everyone we see to get what we want and then say it was God's will. That's, <laughs> that's how this country was founded. <laughs> What's not God's on the winning side. Exactly. <laughs> and, and because the victors write history, which we've talked about last episode, you know, we don't, we don't know these things and they get forgotten really easily. And you know, what was yesterday's headline is now tomorrow's old news we've forgotten about. And that's why it was kind of cool at the end of this, where it had the journalist saying, Hey, this is what really happened and blah, blah, blah. But they don't show you the next 10 pages when the keeping up with the Kardashians is going off TV. And that's the new thing everyone cares about. And these poor people are stuck with the douchebags kicking them while they're down. So, yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm not too sure how I feel about the book as a whole. I, I, I think there's some strong points and some points I was kind of like, eh. But that being said, I think there is an interesting story. And, you know, pretty much everything we've been doing this this month has been based on true stories or mm. based on things that have actually happened, whether loosely or not so loosely. And again, there's a story that needs to be heard here that you can kind of understand from outside an abstract that you're picking up on your daily news source. I keep having this weird frustration. Like I'll go through the Apple news feed and you'll see the real news. And then you'll see the crazy weird headlines from like people magazine or whatever. And I'm like, who the fuck cares at this point in time, which I always find very (laughs) strange. The other thing I wanted to sort of talk about is, yes, I do feel like it's an, uh, an important story, but going to the technical aspects of it, I think there is some things that are a little uneven uh, for me. I think the art is very uneven. In some places, I think it's really cool and has like sort of like, almost when he goes less detail, I think it's better. When he tries to go in for more detail, it feels, it, it just doesn't feel like his skill set is there. I almost wonder too if this was originally intended to be in black and white, like looking at it, I'm wondering if it was originally in color and that might help define how some of these things are perceived or not maybe i can't really tell i think this is a man on deadlines i will get shit done yeah i don't know man like well, some what's of interesting it- to watch talking about the art and where it comes in and out for most people is the um, absence or presence of background yes because as it's going back through here as you've got this stuff and there is a number of pages with decent background he gives time like even like page 18 is a perfect example as it's going through, and he's spent a lot of, obviously, work on the very top panel. Then the middle two is just, and the bottom section is just people talking, but for each section, it's like, oh, I'm going to make this all black because I need to uh, cut down on time, or I'm doing this here. And what's interesting to watch, again, the top panel looks great, a lot of time spent. The bottom panels seem to much more rushed, Mm -hmm. and drawing figures is... (laughs) outside of his skill set yeah as much as it is as anything else so drawing figures is what he does when he has to and what he really likes to do is um, scenery and other things but it is very inconsistent yeah and actually one of the things that made me think about how inconsistent it was initially was uh is actually on the if you flip the page over to 20 um Mm -hmm. typically in comic books um and i've Todd and I and a few of us have been doing a little more studying into the actual craft of telling a story in a comic book. Uh, Typically, like, a page flip is sort of almost like a a change in paragraph. And it's odd that on the top of page 20, you basically have the ending of the previous sequence and then jumps into the next little moment and then jumps back. And so it's a little odd to have that happen there. Like, in a typical comic, that would be, like, a splash page of, like, the handshake. Or theoretically, it should be at the bottom of page 19. So like, there's yeah. just some weird stuff in there that's a little, little uneven. The other thing I think is is that I think his his writing and his descriptions is actually really beautiful, but it isn't necessarily like for a comic book. Like comic books are sort of more of a visual medium, um, and I feel like yeah, there's just something about how wordy it is to a certain extent. It feels unnecessarily wordy in weird places, um, and maybe sparse in others. And so like, there's just like this sort of unbalance to it that I don't really know. Completely. I think this him learning how to do a comic. Well, book. but here's the thing: is it says that he has been an artist and an illustrator since 1979. Absolutely, but just because I can draw something doesn't mean I can make a good comic book. Okay, that's fair. Well, and even if you're an illustrator for other people's stories, you're telling something right. that's that's from their from their imagination. And we we talked about this with Secret Path, how Lemire like went in and like yeah brought these things to life and right. you know 
it almost is like it's the complete foil of, of this book. But when you're actually doing it yourself and you're trying to put these ideas and these images that you've created, and that's part of who you are onto this page, I can, I, I can look at it with writing certain things, like whether mm-hmm. I'm doing like, you know, journalism stuff or even my horrible attempts I've done at fiction. It's a completely different thing to take this cool thing I've got in my head and then make it make sense in the medium I'm using, which again, for me is, is word, not, not, mm-hmm. not art. But going back to my my kind of joke about, you know, what was your name again? It's because he's not very specific about giving a lot of these characters defining traits mm-hmm. so that when you see them again, you know who they are. Yeah. And that's why it became a joke was like, oh, it's oh, it's this person again because I didn't know who the fuck they were because they look exactly the same. And like, or... Someone needs a scar or an eye patch. Yeah. So that's, that was one of my big things. And it almost seems like to me, if, if you go, um, I think it was on page 18 again, you know, it looks like obviously he did, you know, it was, it was st- uh, pencil, penciling all the stuff. But if you look at the top one with the background with like the barn and like the trees and stuff, it almost looks like, again, if this book had been color, I think it would have been a huge, huge advantage to it mm-hmm. because some of the stuff almost looks like it could have been watercolor as well. And that's the stuff I actually really liked. I kind of wish more of the book was that style. Yeah. I think it's the the weird detail that just doesn't feel quite right. But like some of the stuff where he's a little more abstract with it, I really enjoy. Um, right. And there's a, like the page fourteen at the bottom, the the news crew guy, the camera with the um, with the police standing there. That looks fucking phenomenal. You know, like that's actually that really good. good. You yeah. know. If and I was kind of hoping more of the book would look like that. Like I think that's where his strength is, is in images like that. That the the up close stuff um, just doesn't feel quite right. So I think you know, obviously, a lot of you can see this. It was pencils and ink, and then mm-hmm. everything else. I, I think it would have been better served if maybe went like more like a, a Sin City route, where like most of it is black and white, and then you have those splashes of color everywhere. Yeah. But again, using this, using different kinds of tools to to make this book, whether it was. Uh, pencils, ink, and like we said for those backgrounds, throwing some watercolor. And again, it's, it's easy to critique something like that when I'm not the one doing it because I can't draw a stick figure to save my life. But I think that would have had a bigger impact as far as the artwork tying into everything. And then, yes, the the story and dialogue is very, very wordy. So cutting that down and letting, as we said with Secret Path, let the art tell the story. Because especially when he goes to like the spirit realm, is like that was that was a cool idea. But it having like the spirits and the gods talk like in What's up? Yeah. Like, really? We're doing that? I mean, I get that they're trying to be relatable to that. And, and like, I don't necessarily know if they have to cut out the writing. I think maybe, I mean, it's only a 60-page book. Maybe it would have benefited from stretching it out and letting him linger in those moments a little bit more and then show things rather than just say things. You know what I mean? Like, make it actually a comic book, stretch it out, give it a little bit more space, and, and that kind of thing. I think that might have helped. The other reason why I sort of wonder about the, the choice in black and white is, is it is a small print. It's a small label, and it's um, it's a you know, 60 page books. So it might not have been in the budget to print this thing in color. So that's why I question as to whether or not it was originally created in color or not, because that might have some sort of bearing on, on how the art was originally produced. Cause yeah. I mean, I've seen stuff that like, you know, looks great. Um, you know, with a few extra details when it is in, you know, uh, in color. And then all of a sudden you look at it black and white and you're like, Oh shit, it looks kind of awkward. And I'm wondering if that's sort of what's happening here. Well, I think it's fine that for it being in black and white, I think he would have benefited from having somebody else draw this, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, only because I think the, the 
formatting of everything, I think it, it he could have benefited from somebody that could have been an editor that understands how to format graphic novels that, that understands how comics work and have somebody that could make those still give it the feel that he's looking for mm-hmm. with that, you know, less detailed, more detailed. But I think the reason that the more detailed work, when you kind of get into these close-ups of people's faces and all of those, those pieces, it's hard for me to be like, there's like such an impact because when I look at it, it feels very, juvenile in mm-hmm. the way that it's drawn and i get lo- i i don't get the impact that he's trying to get at so i feel like oh, the the wordiness comes out because there's not the the words and the pictures don't have the same impact when you're going through everything so ha- i think that if he found a a different artist to go in and and recreate kind of what he's looking for and give that impact that he wants you may not feel like it's as wordy as it is because the and it could still stay black and white mm-hmm. um but but it would give you it would match what his his backstory and the dialogue and everything kind of fits it may feel a little less and and that way you do get different characteristics for each person because you have an artist that's able to do that. So you don't have to keep saying who everyone is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then right. I also wonder too, if that's, you know, I, I unfortunately don't know within tribes if they do say their names all the time and they do refer to people by their names and it's not just, Hey, you, or, Oh, that's so-and-so it's, it's not implied that they're more formal in the way that they speak to each other. So that might, that piece of dialogue might be intentional and not just because there's no actual different differentiating features within the drawing. Yeah. Um, also, I think uh, it also just might have benefited even just from a editor who is more accustomed to working in comics. Cause there are points in time where the dialogue blo- bubbles are difficult to follow because like there's certain points on where they're packed on the mm-hmm. screen in such a way yep. that you're like, wait, which like you read them. Mm-hmm. And then like, there's been times where I read them and then I'm like, I don't know if I read that in order and I tried to reread it. And then I'm still like, it doesn't necessarily all make sense in the way that it's formatted. So I just think that there's yeah. some, some need for some work there. Yeah. Because we're all trained a certain way to read comics and that's, yeah. you know, it's, you know, for us left, right, top down, but then, you know, okay, if this speech bubble is up here in between, and then this one pops up here, it's yeah. meant to be read like in a zigzag or whatever else. And it's the same with manga too, but yeah. this one, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I was having the exact same problems. So yeah. that and looking at it, he, um, the way it's credited, the whole thing is him. Yeah. So it's, there isn't a letterer, there isn't an inker. There's just, yeah. he wrote it and he drew it and he lettered it. His uh, drawing style is superior, especially, you know, with a bit more mystical or the background imagery. Mm-hmm. The people and the close-ups, not so great. Mm-hmm. The lettering's not so great. And that format and that structure there, yeah. too. That is, um, struggles a bit. So yeah. it's, um, and it looks fine, the lettering-wise. It's just, yeah, formatting, it could, um, a more seasoned editor could have done wonders for this book. I think what this reminds me of really, it's, you know, going to like a local comic shop and you see like your local comic artist who's like, this is like their first attempt ever at a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh-huh. you, you want, and honestly with this, like I would like to see, and again, I should probably have researched this to see what, what other things he's done because 
the first time you do anything, it's not going to be that good or it'll be okay. No matter how good your idea or how good your story is. But then as you do more and more and more, you get better and better and better. And I think he's got some interesting stories to tell. I would like to see what it looks like, you know, three or four or five projects down the road where that muscle's been exercised enough to be, to be strong enough to effectively tell that story in a way that's that makes more not the story didn't make sense but makes more sense as far as a comic book would go well i think definitely if you took like a robert kirkman and you compared his battle pope to oblivion song i think that would um make your point beautiful the other thing brian is that it this was published and written in 2011 Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh and it says at the end it says end of book one yeah yeah there's multiple volumes okay I haven't seen those multiple volumes out yet. That's, but that's what I was questioning is when, when I searched his name, this was the only thing that popped yeah. up besides. So did he mean to do more? I mean, obviously he, he wanted to do more, but I didn't see like that anything else came of it. Yeah. I tried to look up uh, red power book two and there's nothing. What was I thinking there was multiple volumes? Was that a well, different book? No, I, I think there are supposed, supposed to be multiple volumes. I think that's why it says at the back of the last book, like Lena said, end of book one. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I just don't think... Because there, there, it doesn't... It, obviously, the story isn't finished by the end. That, after we've sort of shit on this just a little bit, uh, does anybody have any praise they want to throw on this so we're not completely negative? The art definitely has moments of greatness to it that I really enjoy. Yeah. So I thought that was good. I mean, you look at this thing, it's seven bucks. So as um, graphic novels go, that's, I mean, that's less than most Wendy's, I mean, combo meals these (laughs) days. Or your Starbucks drink in the morning. Or your Starbucks drink in the morning. It's less than a, you know, a fancy Starbucks drink. And for what that's getting you, I mean, again, it, it, it comes back to the art and the story itself. I thought it was told pretty well. Sometimes it seems like the story felt like it had an agenda. By all means, and it does, and it should, and I get that. But I don't want to feel like he's crafting a story around an agenda. If for the the um, lettering, the structure, and the format, and I, when I say format, the way the pages flow, the pacing, mm-hmm. yeah, the pacing's a bit rough. Yeah, the is where that comes into play and at the end of the day i think that's um where it's coming to being identified the different i think the names of the characters were great i hated who i was supposed to hate yeah i like who i was supposed to like so i cared about that so i identified with the characters and i and i recognized the assholes and he did that really well the story itself was fine some of the art was really good good the pacing was a bit did Funky. anyone else hear Grud? Sorry, am I being an <laughs> asshole? I, I heard I heard Grud and I, I heard that too. But. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, <Thank you>. Todd. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on Red Breast 12. This is my second round. Oh, so nice. If all you're getting is um, Grud, I'll take so we're, it. We're doing pretty well. I am Grud. I am Grud. <laughs> you are Grud. I uh, am Grud. <laughs> Lena or Ian, do you have any uh, any thoughts to add? kind of the things that I liked about it. Like I, I do like the kind of um, the, the premise of it. It feels very timely. It feels like, unfortunately we keep running into the same issues constantly and not just with, with one set of people, but um, white American men tend to be not the, the best when it comes mm-hmm. to this kind of stuff. But 
the it feels like it's kind of all over the place. I got lost in having to reread a couple of pages a few times. Um, the The idea is there. The execution needs some some good editing. I think. See, um, I'm glad you said that because I just finished reading it, and I thought it was because I was reading it fast. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, and you know. I think it is an interesting concept. And I mean, even being a white man myself, it's kind of embarrassing what the white man has done mm. throughout history. But I feel like I didn't really connect with any of the characters. It was just so all over the place. I'm like, oh, well, I, I guess I care about these individuals. You know, I didn't really, I don't know. I kind of didn't care where the story was going. Like I had a hard time feeling passionate about any part of it, even though obviously the topic itself is something that I would be passionate about. Mm. Which I feel like is very different than what we dealt with with Secret Path. Yeah. Because I feel like Secret Path was you, it evoked such an emotion that like as soon as, even when, like as soon as Adam finished reading it, he was like, well, I'm really depressed now. Like it's not the happiest of emotions, (laughs) but it evoked an emotion that you like, it evoked an emotion of me that I went in and wanted to like learn more about what was going on and who this little boy was and, and the background of the author and everything. Right. This was very much like, okay, it's, I understand what you're trying to portray, but it, it, it's, um, it kind of felt like three feathers. You gave me a, gave me a plot, but not much within that to get to know who all the characters are. Why, you know, not to say that you should, you should know every single person to care, but there's so much here that can be so powerful. And it's, it's like right on the edge. Yeah. That it could be like absolutely wonderful. And it's just missing it like right I don't know, right to push me right over to like really love it. See, I think you're hitting the nail on the head too, because when I first started reading it, I'm like, man, this is going to be depressing. Yeah. This is going to make me feel like shit. Yeah. But at the end of it, I was kind of like, eh, it was fine. It was a story, but I was, I was expecting to kind of have my heartstrings pulled a little more and, you know, really feel for the character. Yeah. You should read Secret Path. So oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really a that. little bit rough with Mir. It was a recognized master. At yes. this thing. Yeah. It's not great, but the one we read previously was. And I wonder how much in comparison this is uh, being harsh to it. Yeah, I mean, we are... I mean, this guy's background is in music. I mean, he currently sure. is a professor at George Brown College in Toronto, Ontario, because I found him on yeah. uh, on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, but uh, also, I looked, and his website is not currently up, so he doesn't like it. Had links to other projects, so I was trying to see. I was doing whatever I could to find out if there's a second book coming, and it just doesn't look like that's going to happen. But yeah, but like I think one of the difficult issues we have is I think is a guy who was passionate and had a story to tell, and. Yep dared to tell it in a medium he wasn't necessarily comfortable with. And the difficulty is, is that there are skills in that, that a lot of people who create these comics learn over many, many years of making small little independent comics at home or whatever. This got published for a, bri- a wider audience. And so it's sort of, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily compare in other ways, but I think he does have a story he's very passionate about telling. And I think that is definitely uh, worth you know, giving it a read. I think it just, there's some formatting right. things and some stuff that way that, that makes it a little difficult to work your way through. 
but it's also a quick yeah. read. It's not like yeah. it's going to take you, you're, you're going to take it. It's, you know, it's $7 and it takes about 20 minutes. Yeah. And, um, it is an interesting story. It's not a bad story. It's, and it's, I think it's a good thing to support those artists that maybe that he wasn't able to do book two because he didn't have that support. So I mm-hmm. think giving into that support and, and wanting to um, see if that pushes the second half of the story that could really, you know, push it forward, I think is great. But um yeah, I think maybe we are being a little a little harsher because of the the book that we we've previously read. Yeah, I didn't read that book, and I'm still being harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just because you're an asshole. That's fine. <laughs> that's only half of it. Yeah, you're an asshole. An asshole. Leo, Leo, Leo. <laughs> uh, yeah, Adam, do you have any uh, thoughts you want to throw in? No, I, I think we pretty much covered it. I, I like the idea. I just think the execution wasn't what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I think that's probably a good place to do it. Like, like we said, I mean, I respect him for the story he was attempting to tell, um, or the story he is telling, I should say. But I think that there are some technical issues that are... Uh, are chick- you know what it actually reminds me of? It reminds me of... I'm sure Lana's seen those. I'm sure Adam's seen them. Where like it's, it's a play or it's a movie where like somebody's really passionate about it, and they have some great ideas, but they don't necessarily have the budget or whatever means to fully achieve what their dream is and, yeah. and not enough experience to be able to work their way around it. Um, you know, for out of space. Yeah. Or I mean the room to it for a certain extent, like oh the guy God. was passionate about the project. The yeah. thing yeah. was, is he had all the money in the world. What he didn't have was, you know, the experience in acting and directing and writing. Um, so like, I mean, I think yeah. Oh, hi Mark. Oh, hi Mark. Hi Mark. Um, so anyone who's having trouble with a movie on a, and their budget isn't big enough, just go hang out with Robert Rodriguez for a couple days. (laughs) And he'll show you how to make a movie with a piece of duct tape and a shoestring. He actually has a great book. Have you ever read his book? Rebel Rebel without a crew? No, I want to read it though. It's a great book. Uh, I read it like way back in the day. It's been a long time. Does it have pictures? Yes, it does. Ooh. In the middle, they're glossy, well, you know. So his latest flick was um, the Battle Angel Alita. Oh, that like was it. terrible! I wanted to like it so hard. I know, I didn't know. I think I, I went to that for my birthday. Like I was severely disappointed. Isn't that the review of the movie? I really wanted to like this. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm rooting for you so hard. It just no. It's, it's kind of like how I feel about this graphic novel. Yeah, I also felt that way about Valerian. Like. I wanted to. Oh, like Oh, I know. I was. I was. Oh, and there is. I don't even want to like that one. There's no. a 45 minute decent movie in there. It's just hidden with Rihanna. Yeah. So. Well, I'm gonna have to cut this all out. Cut this all out, future Brian. Um, hey. Actually, I'll tell <laughs> you what. If you're gonna talk about how shitty of an actor Dane DeHaan is. You're correct. No, he is because we went to school with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dana. And he's a total dickhead, but that's yeah. besides the point. No, I think he's one of those actors who doesn't have enough self wherewithal to act well. He's decent in films with strong directors, but when the director is not an actor's director, he's terrible. Um, and Valerian is definitely one of those movies because the there is zero chemistry between him and his love interest, like no. none. Like wallpaper on opposing walls has more attraction to each other than those two do. Like, it's just, it was fucking ridiculous. Um, but like, why didn't I, they stop 
filming when they figured that out so early? Because he didn't get COVID. Or just cut out that like that <laughs> subplot. I don't know. Um, the only person in that movie who gets the movie that they're in and is having a good time is Ethan Hawke doing his best Bono impersonation. That's the only guy who gets it. Like he knows the movie he's in, and he's like, "Yeah, let's do this!" Like, shoot up the wall. Like, because like Ethan Hawke is a good actor, and he is just chewing scenery like a motherfucker because he knows what kind of fucking movie he's in, and is just enjoying the shit out of it. So anyway. Just, you know, I'm sure that his scenes are on YouTube. Just watch those. Ignore the rest of the movie. Uh, if I left any of that in, I hopefully I didn't. Um, okay, uh, cool. Uh, so depending on which order we release this out, I, we have a couple more books in Indigenous Peoples Month. Uh, we're going to do a book called uh, right. Moonshot and a girl called Echo. And then uh, we also did Secret Path. We recorded these out of order, so we'll just see how that all goes. Um, but uh, just prepping you for next month, we are doing uh, winter-themed books because uh, it's December, so why yep. the hell not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be doing Snowpiercer, uh, book one, which is called Escape. Um, I, I, there's, I, I put notes on here because apparently there's a difference somewhere. Uh, then we're also going to do a book called Polar and Whiteout mm-hmm. and The Coldest City, which is the basis of... Um, le- or, uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. I was going to say Lebanese Blonde, and I'm like, no, that is a song by the Thievery Corporation. Yeah. What is the name of this? Okay, yeah. Uh, it's the basis of Atomic Bomb. And there's also a secondary book that has a similar title, which can get confusing. Sometimes. I will say, Atomic Blonde made me cringe more than American History X. Oh, really? I didn't watch it then. Yeah. Have you guys not seen it? I, I oh, the movie. Seen, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. The movie's amazing. I love that movie. So Amer- Atomic Blonde is awesome, but there's this um. Un- so Atomic Blonde is some guy watched um Birdman, and he says, "Oh, I see what Birdman and let's John Wickify Birdman." And <laughs> you've got Atomic Blonde. Yeah. So there's the sequence with keys <laughs> as a weapon and someone mm-hmm. shooting. And oh my god, I'm a little horrified just hearing about that. Oh man. Oh man, it's amazing and it is cringy, cringy, cringy. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, so that's what we have coming up next month. Um, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Hi, Ian. Bye, Ian. Uh, hey, Ian. Hey, Ian. You'll have to join us some other time when you can actually, like, you know, be obnoxious with us and not be, like, so polite and Canadian. I mean, I am pretty obnoxious usually, so I guess I just have to warm up to the mic. <laughs> He's been in the U.S. for too long. I know. He's kind you know, of run a off. Citizen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you ready? Ian? My kid is about to turn two years old. Remember that oh, thing, God. little thing in the. <laughs> <laughs> Don't me how fast time goes. <laughs> it feels like it was. I don't know. Six months ago, tops. It was a year. It was over a year ago. Yeah. It was over a year ago. And I mean, she still does mighty diarrhea, but that's that's my kid. Look, that happens as an adult sometimes. Too, right? <laughs> I know it's called Taco Bell. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave on that pleasant note. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see y'all later. Bye. Bye. I'm waiting for you. I'm like, are you guys gonna fucking say it or if I stop the recording? Because I'll just do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll stop the recording. Fine. <laughs>